Today, in our first reading uh, from Joshua, we hear about the preparations made uh, as they crossed over into the promised land. Our gospel reading is about Jesus talking to his followers about humility and status, giving an example of what not to do in the scribes and Pharisees. Your bulletin states the reading is from Matthew, but I have to be honest with you, I had to submit this a couple weeks ago. Um, and since then, in my, in my work, uh, I've decided to do this story, but to do the parallel of this story in Mark's gospel. Because in Mark's gospel, this teaching about humility from Jesus is paired with an illustration. Uh, and it's about a widow offering two small coins uh, to the temple offering, which is a beautiful image of generosity, but also humility as we begin our stewardship campaign this morning. I invite you to listen now with open hearts and minds as we encounter God's word together from the 12th chapter of Mark's gospel, beginning with the 38th verse. As he taught, he said, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to have the best seats in the synagogues and places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses And for the sake of appearances, say long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. He sat down opposite the treasury and watched the crowd putting money into the treasury. Many rich people put in large sums. A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which are worth about a penny. Then he called to his disciples and said to them, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the treasury. For all of them have contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. One of my favorite television shows of all time went off the air uh, several years ago, and that was called The Office. The show focused on a dying mid-level paper company uh, called Dunder Mifflin, led by the quirky and usually not very professional regional manager, Michael Scott. In one of the episodes, the manager decides to hold a fun run to raise money to, quote-unquote, fight rabies. The guy was a little off, a little quirky. Anyways, Michael envisions their office raising money for rabies during this fun run and in turn giving the proceeds to science to fight the disease. He wanted to give the proceeds in the form of one of those comically large checks. You know, the ones people give when it's a significant gift and uh, usually to make a good press headline or photo op. Well, it turns out that the check itself would cost a few hundred dollars and their, run, and their fun run hadn't even raised a hundred dollars. So a good bit more than they actually raised. Michael still insisted on getting that check. This episode to me reminds me in kind of a satirical fashion of our own desire for recognition. In a less exaggerated fashion, all of us in some way are a little like Michael Scott, wanting this recognition. This is exactly what Jesus warns his followers of in our reading today. Jesus and his followers have arrived in Jerusalem. We're in Holy Week, uh, if you think about it this way, uh, as Jesus enters Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, and he's sitting in the area of the temple and teaching as, as most rabbis did. 
As he's teaching, he picks on a familiar nemesis of his, the scribes. And these folks were seen as the religious legal experts of their day, talking about their excesses, privileges, of how they plunder the livelihood of the widows in their community. These guys were revered in society. They had the places of honor, but Jesus tells his followers that they have missed the mark. They were very good at talking the talk, but had trouble walking the walk. Jesus instead urges them to follow a more humble path, one of not seeking recognition, but doing all out of praise for God's glory. Jesus' praise of humble service, I think, is particularly relevant for us today, as our nation has just celebrated or remembered how... uh, Rather, Veterans Day. We gave thanks for those who have served our country, sometimes at the expense of their own health or even their lives. I want to sincerely thank all of you in our congregation who have provided such humble service to our nation. Continuing on, Jesus then shows what this kind of humble praise of God looks like when it's lived out. And the scene now moves to the treasury of the temple. Mark describes the crowd gathering to participate in what essentially is a free will offering for uh, the, the well-being of the temple. They witness many rich people putting in large sums, Mark tells us. This offering was out there in the open, right in the middle of the temple area. Everyone could see what each other were doing, who was going up, and what they were putting in. There weren't exactly checkbooks or credit cards or ACH transfers then. The giving by the wealthy folks, like the practices of the scribes, was showy. It was done to to seek recognition for the large sums they were giving. If those comically large checks existed then, my guess is that's how Mark would have described the scene. But then comes a widow, and she makes her offering. She places in two small copper coins, and the teaching moment here presents itself to Jesus. He tells the followers that this woman has actually put in more than the wealthy folks before her. Because unlike the wealthy folks who gave out of their excess, she is given out of her livelihood. Her giving, in other words, was sacrificial. And to Jesus, this represents a life of humble praise in God's kingdom. Widows in in those days were without status. They had no legal status. It was tough for them to get by. But this widow, without any status, understood the gospel. She understood the good news of God's kingdom in Christ in a way that the scribes and even the disciples, the people who should get it, didn't. Despite the scribes who were deploring her own livelihood, this unnamed widow found a way to still give generously, to give all that she had to live on for God's glory. This unnamed widow takes the invitation not to be defined by wealth or possessions, but rather to be defined as a child of God. And as children of God do, they give generously out of gratitude for a God who loves them. This woman teaches us that God calls us to give not out of our excess, but out of our livelihood. Through her, Jesus raises the question, if we give from only what we could do without, is it really giving? I think in today's world, we probably shouldn't be giving away our entire livelihood so we're without basic resources for living, like having food and shelter, but still Jesus' question and the gospel pushes us, it challenges us, 
it challenges us to give not from the resources or only from the resources we could do without, but give out of our livelihood. In other words, Jesus tells us giving is something we're supposed to feel. Another lesson that this unnamed widow teaches us is that all giving is important. I was really moved by a story in my former congregation in Knoxville, Tennessee, uh, that I, I learned about as we prepared to celebrate our 125th anniversary. There's a charter member named Melissa, and she was telling her aunt about the need to raise money to start a new church. Melissa's aunt had reached under the feather bed and gave her niece a $10 bill, saying, The best way to get money for a church is just to give it. Now go and start it. It wasn't a comically large check. It wasn't something flashy. It was a small $10 gift, which, of course, with inflation is worth a good bit more today. But this small gift sparked a faith community into life that has now been at work and serving Christ for 125 years. I'm willing to guess that there are similar stories of humble generosity in the history of WPC as well. So often we hear about the big donors, and don't get me wrong, they're important. But the widow in our story this morning reminds us that all giving matters. When we have little to give, we sometimes feel like we don't have anything to offer, so why bother? We may say to ourselves, I'll just wait until I have more to give before I give anything. But the reality to any church or organization is that all gifts, however large or small, are important. All gifts and commitments help us to do the work we're called to do. To glorify God, to grow disciples, to serve our neighbors near and far. As Christians, we're a people that believe God can do big things with the smallest gift. We're a people who follow a Lord who says that God's kingdom is like a tiny mustard seed, the smallest seed of the bunch. But a seed that grows into a tree that's large and sprawling, so much so, in fact, that birds can find rest in its branches. This woman also teaches us that giving, that stewardship, isn't really about money at all. It's about discipleship. It's a reminder that God can take our gifts, regardless of size, to transform us on our own spiritual journey. Even if we had all the resources we needed to fund the ministries here of WPC, I'd still make sure Danny and his committee did a stewardship campaign. Because we need to be reminded every year of God's call for us to give generously of ourselves, of our time, our talents, and our treasures for God's glory. A seminary professor of mine would jokingly call this one time per year when the pastor preached on stewardship as the Sermon on the Amount. Think about that for a second. But he did this as a way of challenging the way we think about stewardship. Not just as a means to fund the church budget, but part of our spiritual journey as disciples. Growing more and more in Christ's image through, uh, like this widow, humble service and generosity. Such an understanding of stewardship has the power to truly transform our lives through Christ. A colleague in ministry named Katie Allman shared a story about her experience with giving as a child. It began when she was young and first received an allowance. She recalls each Sunday morning her father placing one dollar and a dime on top of it on the kitchen table. Her parents instructed her that she could do whatever she wanted with the dollar, but the dime belonged to God. 
In this way, she learned how to tithe, the biblical model of giving 10% of, of your resources to God. And I know you math folks out there are probably saying, well, 10% of a dollar and 10 cents is actually 11 cents. But <laughs> friends, it's the idea that's important. Alvin also recalls that when her allowance went up to $2.25, she would, she would place the quarter in the offering plate each Sunday, which for you math folks is more than a tithe. This practice instilled the value of giving uh, what you've, uh, what, from what you've been given for God's glory. It wasn't some flashy program that turned her into a lifelong giver. She claims it was muscle memory. It reminds us that God can use our gifts, whatever size they may be, to transform our lives and the world, bringing about God's kingdom one dime at a time. We are but humble students on this journey. Each season of stewardship then becomes an opportunity for us to pray and ask God to challenge us and transform us, to grow in our ministries of generosity and service. Friends, this is what Jesus teaches us through the widow's uh, faithful gift. To give not out of excess nor for recognition, but to give out of our livelihood for God's glory. To remember that God can use even the smallest gift to transform disciples and build up the kingdom. May your example spark generosity and gratitude for the God in Christ, who by the Holy Spirit makes all things new. Amen.